Welcome to the D.A.R.E. podcast, where it is all about helping people overcome anxiety and panic attacks. The D.A.R.E. app has over 1 million downloads and is free to download at DareResponse.com. Now, without further ado, here is the D.A.R.E. podcast. All righty. What do you do about frequent waking up by heart pounding and needing to use the toilet? And what can you do about reacting to uncontrollable severe GERD brought on by anxiety and panic attacks 24 seven? Even though they're different questions, they'll similar. I'll do the first one because I can't keep in mind the, the whole two questions. <laughs> what do you do about frequent waking up by heart pounding and needing the toilet? Oh, look, you get up, you go to the go toilet, to the toilet. And you allow your heart and then you go back to bed and i'm not making fun of you but i say this in all seriousness because i think and if we, if you've been listening to us since the start of this webinar we just said it it's not so much about your physical sensation that might be unpleasant and uncomfortable but it's not your job to do something about it if you what you, i can tell you what you should not do about it get up at night say oh, i'm going to go to the toilet and then come back take my phone and google palpitations at night all the time, meaning or disease. This is when you're gonna start the problem. There is nothing wrong. If you don't have a heart condition and are all overall healthy, you just have anxiety, palpitations are so common. I don't know a person who has not experienced them when going through, through high anxiety. Even people who don't have anxiety but are just going through, through stress do experience that. Right. So. And it's not just what happens, it's, it's how you let yourself experience what's happening. Because somebody else might wake up with a rapid heart rate and have to go to the bathroom. Like two people might experience the same things, but they experience it in a different way. One person might go, oh yeah, I don't know. My heart does this sometimes at night. I don't know what it is. I must've had a, must've had a bad dream. Oh God, I got to pee. All right, let's go to the bathroom and come back and, and back to bed. Same person, another person might experience the same exact sensations, but their story around it is even before going to bed. Okay, let's just get through tonight. Let's listen to Barry. And I hope this doesn't happen. And I pray, and my gosh, when is this ever going to go away? And you wake up and go, oh no, there it is again. When, oh, this is awful. This is such torture. I just need to control this, make sure this doesn't happen. You see the difference? One is just kind of, surrender, like give in, like it, whatever's present is already present. Both people had the same present sensations, but one desperately fought through them and attached all these other meanings and stories and worst case scenarios. And the other person just experienced whatever they were experiencing without all that. And so that's why like, yeah, it's not to, it's not to make light of, but it's really to just go back to normalizing. What happens if I get up and my heart is racing? I notice my heart is racing. Well, what do I have to use the bathroom? use the bathroom. Well, what if I have GERD? Well, then you deal with, but it's like the approach is never to fight it or get rid of it. Cause everybody's always asking, what do I do? I like, nothing. like do very little. You practice less doing and more being do stuff about the stuff that most that a lot of people aren't doing. Go to the grocery store, take your trip, go back to work. Those are, those are things that are actually doable and actionable, but we're not doing them. We're spending all our time trying to do things about stuff that's not actionable. Well, what do I do about these thoughts? What do I do about these physical things? Nothing. You've crossed things up. You do stuff for doable things and you just 
leave things be of the thing, even if they're highly uncomfortable, if there's nothing that your actions can do to make any sort of change, then it's, we're not good at leaving things alone. We are not. That's why we have very successful people on the call because we're good at solving problems and getting things done. We're all my successful business people. Our pages are full of them. And it's, this is a completely different approach because it's like you like trying to use the certain four letters, the dare steps to try and change the weather. No, it's how you treat the weather. So that's why it kind of doesn't matter what the sensations are. Heart pounding, heart pounding, GERD, having to go to the bathroom. It's, it's how I respond to those things. I love how Renee responded. She said, I remind myself that my body knows what to do and how to take care of itself, right? We need to remind ourselves of that often. Our body has served us all these years. And all of a sudden, just because I have anxiety, I can't trust my body anymore. Now it doesn't know how to do it, when to do it, but I have to tell it. I have to control it. I have to mm -hmm. watch it all the time to make sure it's doing its job correctly. Right? Even if you could do that, there's really nothing you could do, but you can influence it. You can. If your heart wants to beat in, in, in a particular fashion, it's going to do that. It's not going to ask your opinion. Okay. So you, you have no control because you don't need to have the control. Nature is smart. It designed it this way for a purpose. Just think about it. If we would be in control of our body, we, we would fuck this up so badly. We wouldn't last very long, right? I had to breathe. I had to swallow. I had to do this. I had to circulate my blood. <laughs> my heart right we won't last yeah. too long yeah, yeah. so uh, trusting our bodies again so important thank you Renee that was my post the other day like we're not meant we don't control our bodies but you can direct them you don't control your thoughts but you can direct them and so it's learning like what do I actually have the ability to have power over and what what do I not and so even like a, a couple of weeks ago my thing was the video games right like you have a controller for the video games but you can't control everything on the screen. Some of those things are locked, like the background, the name of the game, the different characters. You can have make some adjustments, but control what's in your control. And the rest really gotta just leave it alone. And Dare is really teaching you how to, how to leave the stuff alone that was never meant for you to get involved in. Cool. Which actually ties in nicely to the next question too. I'll tie in. <laughs> Which is another question. Is it, is it me? I don't know. Um, agoraphobia. Is that the one we're up to? I don't know. I think. Okay. Regarding agoraphobia, how do you get past concerning yourself with what the neighbors are thinking when they see you regularly only walking a certain distance up the road, then stop for a bit, then turn around to go up the other end. This seems to be one of my obstacles, especially as I know a couple of our neighbors have cameras on their door and we'll see that I've only been a short way before returning. I know I shouldn't be, but I can't help but feel embarrassed and ashamed even. What do you suggest? I like that question too. It's a good question. We have such good, good questions today. So first of all, I think it's completely normal to feel that way. And you might also think like, mm, what are they thinking I'm doing <laughs> down the street all the time? Just the, uh, these, this many meters. Um, I don't know if it is possible for you, but I think it would be super cool if you could just, you know, walk up to them and tell them like, hey, look, I have an anxiety issue and I'm working through it. I'm daring through it. Um, and this is my daily practice. So I don't want you to think that I'm doing something weird and yeah. Cheer me on next time you see me walking down the street. If that is too much for you and you feel you don't want to be that open with your neighbors, 
try to care less. There's really nothing else that you could do, right? Try to, to also not think that they are thinking something bad. Maybe they're just curious and saying, what is she doing? Or maybe they say, oh, I remember when I was walking down those streets just that far because I was so anxious. So maybe they already know, but we are so quick in, in knowing what other people think of us and which in 95% of the cases is not true at all. So if you can, I would be open about it because the best thing or the antidote for shame is to be open about it because there's nothing to be ashamed of and you're doing a fantastic job going out there and practicing every day and if that is too much um, then try and care less yeah uh, one of the dare advance calls we kind of talked about this embarrassment comes along with all social anxiety has a, a embarrassment attached to it and it's not embarrassed it's trying to not feel embarrassed the fight of another feeling trying to not be embarrassed and it was funny because the thing that came up on the group call was Nobody cares about you, right? Nobody gives a shit that you're walking down the road and stop. Nobody knows and nobody cares, right? We care so much about ourselves. And it was a very funny group call because it was like, well, what if they think, like, what will they think if I'm sweating in the meeting, presenting the, the numbers the, for the quarterly review? I'm like, nobody gives a shit. Nobody cares. Nobody, everybody just wants to get done with the meeting. But we're so focused on us. We think everybody's as focused on us as we are. And generally that's not the case. Um, the other end of it, which is what, you know, all, all the comments were saying was, oh, fucking well, look at me, look at me, right? It's, it's, you're trying to not feel embarrassed. And so it's the fight of embarrassment. So going out and saying, all right, really, that's the, all right. They can look at me. They must have nothing, not much going on if they're watching me walk up and down. And so if I walk up, I'm going to wave to them and maybe I'll do a little exercise or a dance. Then I'll walk back. It's none of their business. And it's none of my business what other people think of me either. That's another thing that really should be on that list of all my little, the guy with the pushes, right? Thoughts, feelings, sensations, and other people's thoughts, feelings, and sensations. Those are not in my control either. And we're spent, we spent a lot of time like, a lot of people's anxiety lives in what other people are going to think of me or other people's opinions of me. That's not your business either. The answer is, I don't know. And I can't, I can't control what they're going to think of me either. And that's just another way to, to let go of that too, to just, to just like you care, you start caring less when you stop fighting that feeling. So that's, I like, we never really get a whole lot of like, I know you're working on agoraphobia, but the question you submitted was about like embarrassment and social anxiety stuff. And so it's like, mm -hmm. that's what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. The end, period. And Jared said that would be totally normal in our neighborhood. You see, in some neighborhoods, it's completely normal. Yeah, maybe one last uh, word on that. I tell all my clients, own your anxiety. Own it. It belongs to you. It's yours. So when you... Sp uh, talk about it or somebody asks you, oh, is everything okay with you? Say, no, I'm anxious. Yes, I have anxiety. So what? It, it's mine. It belongs to me. I want to keep it. It's mine. My anxiety. <laughs> you want to so, see it? <laughs> here it is. Take it out of your purse, your little car uh, cartoon character. <laughs> no, just joking. But own it. Have, have a different attitude towards it. Not as, as a flaw of your character. Don't look at it that way. But it's something that you're going through and you're fighting through. Who was that uh, one of our dear members on, on the advance that you're on a hero journey? You're not on a recovery journey. You're on a hero journey. And oh, Melissa, I think, wrote that. I think it was Gray. 
Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, you're on the hero journey. I love that so much. So it's really important. And this also ties into the negativity question that we talked about before. If you think to yourself always, oh my God, I have anxiety and this is so bad. And I don't want to make fun of it because it is bad and it is hard and it is tough. But the way you, you carry that burden makes a, a huge difference in how fast you get to the other side and how you experience the journey to there and also how your family and the people around you experience you while you are on that journey that's right. really important because it's normal and i get it like family and friends they can become so annoyed with anxious people and not because they think of them as weak but usually because they can't help them and that helplessness then turns into frustration and then everything comes together it becomes one big mess but if you for example tell your partner or your children or whomever yes i have anxiety oh no i am so afraid to step into that car it's going to be horrible i'm going to embarrass myself but you try to make light of it and own it it's a completely different story try that for a change yeah and you've mentioned negativity bias it, it goes into every single one of these questions because mm -hmm. even that question how do you get past concerning yourself with what the neighbors are thinking when they see you regularly only walking so we all just assumed the neighbors are going to think something awful, right? What the hell's wrong with that one? Why is that one walking and stopping and turning around? Like we just go to the negative. What if the neighbors were like, wow, look at that girl. No matter what the weather, she goes out and she's doing this walk. Wow. Good for her. Who knows? Your neighbor might be inside saying, wow, like I should really get out walking like she does. Like, even if she just walks a little bit, she gets out there every day and does her thing. And that's just it. You don't know. You've just come up with an imagination of what you've known, of what you think they're thinking. And we just always skew it to the dark side. And just like intrusive thoughts, talk about negativity bias. There's random spontaneous thoughts, but the ones we like, we leave alone. The ones we don't like are the ones we focus on and the ones we fight. And then we label them as the danger. And so that's that we're fighting all the stuff that we don't like. Does that tie in, guys? Do you guys see how that negativity bias hooks up with every one of these questions? And with our life in general, think about it, Michelle. Are you, do you have days where you're just super negative and like sure. you can't stand yourself because you know you are so negative and you don't like it, but you can't change it. And then you're negative about you being negative. Yeah. <laughs> it just happens. But as, as long as we are aware of it, mm -hmm. we can again change it. But I think it's just how our brains are wired, you know, to, to be on the lookout for, for negative, for danger. And it, it, it will always be a constant effort to not go in that direction, but turn the other way. Thank you for listening to the D.A.R.E. podcast. The D.A.R.E. app has over 1 million downloads and is helping people all around the world to overcome anxiety and panic attacks. You can download the app for free at dareresponse.com.